pretend that you saw an amazing video. Um, I, I, I will personally see to it that the loop email this week goes out with a copy of that video so that you guys can see it. It was Sandra Libby, who is a stay-at-home mom, homeschool teacher, also Pastor Rick's sister. Uh, and she had a great, really, really great testimony to share about what lo- work looks like as a stay-at-home mom, raising kids, teaching them to know God. So I hope that you'll be able to catch that video on the loop that's coming out uh, tomorrow. As Thomas said, we are going to be closing up the work series today, and I'm excited to do that. But I want to take a second first and just have all of us take a deep breath. Can we do that together? We lit the peace candle today, and I don't know about you, Feeling a little frantic. Is anybody feeling a little frantic today? Anybody feeling a little anxious? I don't know, something in the, in the rain or in the, I don't know, just December, I don't know. But um, I'm gonna, I know Thomas just prayed. I'm gonna pray again, just for a, 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 the Holy Spirit to bring some peace so that we can get into his word and see what he has to say for us. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message that you proclaimed through the prophet Micah, that you would be among us and that you would be our peace. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place, into our hearts. Lord, we open ourselves up to you and we say this morning that we need your peace. Lord, would you quiet anxious hearts? Would you quiet my anxious heart? And open us up to be able to hear what it is that you have to say to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to get into God's word, but I have a question for you first. And that is, who here likes to hike? Any hikers? Okay, we got some hikers. We have some people. Trail enjoyers. I am also a trail enjoyer. I like to hike. And the thing about me, and maybe you're like this, is when I get into a hobby... Very quickly, I want to go to like, what is the most extreme version of this hobby? Is anybody, am I just crazy? Maybe I'm just crazy. When I think about hiking and the the sort of extreme version of hiking, Rosemary's smiling because she's know I've been talking all about this at home. Uh, There are two incredible hiking trails in this country that are renowned around the world for their beauty and their length and their difficulty and grandeur. And those are the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. Both of these trails are over 2,000 miles. The Appalachian Trail goes from Georgia to Maine. The Pacific Crest Trail literally has you walking from Mexico to Canada along the west coast of the United States. And every year, people set out to do what's called a through hike, which means that they're going to start on one end and they're not going to stop until they get to the other end. That takes months. It, on average, well, first of all, on average, one in four hikers that start the Appalachian Trail actually make it to the end. It is very difficult. But on average, it takes about six months to finish the Appalachian Trail, about five months to finish the Pacific Crest Trail. But that's not even the most extreme part. The most extreme part is this thing called an FKT. Does anybody know what that means? Are you all like extreme? Nobody's extreme here. I'm a little disappointed. (laughs) I'm just kidding. An FKT stands for fastest known time. It's when a crazy or extreme or insane, however you want to think about it, person sets out to finish the trail in as little time spent as possible. And currently, both of these trails have the same record holder. His name is Carl Saab. He's a Belgian ultramarathon runner. He finished the Appalachian Trail in 41 days and change, and he finished the Pacific Crest Trail in 46 days and change. That is the equivalent of him waking up in the morning, running two marathons, and then a little bit more, going to sleep, and then doing that again for 40 days plus straight. That dude is insane. The the reason I bring this up is because when I think about that, and I think about the mindset that goes into 
accomplishing something like that, to me, is mind-boggling. That is a mammoth task to undertake. That, there's so much that has to go into that, and that is miles apart from the mindset that I take when I pick out a Saturday and I go hike Watch you sit, and I go up to, to Monadnock. I can check the weather and just kind of throw something together, throw an outfit on. As long as, I have good, as long as you have good shoes, you can get up, watch you sit, and back down. But if you're doing this, if you're doing an FKT attempt, you have to be meticulous about everything you're bringing. Everything you're wearing has to be meticulously thought out because you have to carry it for 2,200 or 600 miles. These guys, these through hikers, these ultra marathon FKT hikers, they're playing the long game. It's very different from us going on a hike, walking around Horn Pond or whatever it is. The, the perspective is so different. And the reason I bring that up is because I think there is a similar difference when it comes to the perspectives on work. I think there are two sort of perspectives on work, and I think one of them comes to us from the world. And I don't know if you can see this. On the end of this rope, there's a piece of yellow tape. And this yellow tape represents your life. The world wants us to view our work like hiking Monadnock. It's a short-term perspective. But the world says, hey, if this is all we got, this little piece of yellow tape, we want to stuff it as full as we can. So we want to take as much things with us as possible. And so the people who live with this short-term perspective, they start to stuff their lives. They start to fill their lives up with different things. Their lives start to look like a container because YOLO. Everybody remember YOLO? YOLO is not cool anymore. Uh, it stands for you only live once. And people would say that to justify doing crazy things because this is what we got. And we want to get the most out of it. But for those of us who are Christians, we know that there's an eternity after our lives. We know that there's more than this yellow piece of tape that all of us have eternal souls within us and we're going to spend the rest of that eternity in one of two places. And as Christians, God sort of calls us to take the long-term perspective, to take the FKT perspective and to think more meticulously about things, to really think through what goes on here because it affects what happens here. There is more going on than just that little yellow piece of tape. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at some scripture. This, this just keeps going. This is eternity, y'all. We're going to look at some scripture and we're going to ask the question, how does an eternal perspective change the way we work? And I think there's no better place for us to do that than to look at the parables of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I would like you to open up to Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, there are, uh, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you, seats right uh, underneath you if you're in the front. And I would just invite you to open up to Matthew 25 we are going to look at two parables. The thing about the parables of Jesus, he tells these stories. And all of the parables are about the kingdom of God. Whatever, whenever you see, excuse me, whenever you see Jesus telling a parable, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And what he's doing in those parables is he is trying to move people from a short-term perspective to a long-term perspective. He's trying to, have people start to stop thinking about life like just this little yellow piece of tape and start thinking about it like something that's never, ever going to end. 
And with each parable, he sort of takes a different aspect of that perspective and he opens it up. And so this first parable we're going to look at is the parable of the talents. Yeah, it's a little bit long, but I want to read it together and, uh, and then we'll unpack what we've got going on here. This is what it says in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, it, it being the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to the other two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I, know, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant! So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, who has, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he does have, will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a pretty intense parable. And there's a lot of things that we could probably pull out of that story. A lot of different aspects that we could focus on. But the thing that I want to draw your attention to is the attitudes and the reasons why the servants did what they did. So the first two servants, it says in the story that the first one went right away. He went at once in verse 16. And it says that the man with the two talents, so also, so also went at once. They took the talents and right away they put it to work. And the third servant was afraid, he says. I was afraid of you. So I, I went and I hid the talent. I buried it in the ground. And it says the master was away for a long time. Now, it, we just have it in one verse that the first two servants doubled their investment. Whatever the investment the master gave to them, they doubled it in one verse. But it says the master was away for a long time. And I'm willing to bet that it took them a while to do that. But the perspective that they had was my master has entrusted this to me. You could think about it like this little yellow stripe. He's entrusted this to me, and he's gone away, but he's coming back. I'm going to take the time that I have before he comes back and do with this what he would do if he was me. That's the attitude that they took. 
They said, this is my master's money. I'm going to do with it what he would do if he was me. And so I'm going to put it to work for the master's purposes. The third servant says, man, this is scary. And he says, this is, I serve a hard master. We'll get into what that means in just a second. And so he, he's afraid and he buries it. And he spends the rest of that long time on his own purposes. He spends the rest of this time until the master comes back on whatever he wanted to do. He's going to give the talent back to the master. That's what the master entrusted him to. He's going to give it back. He didn't think the way that the other servants thought. And if we think about this eternal perspective of work, I think what Jesus is getting at in this parable is that when we shift to an eternal perspective, it leads us to work for God's purposes. Whatever job you have, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you are retired, whether you, you work a nine-to-five or your work looks different, you can... Say to God, all right, well, I know that you're sort of a, a, a hard man, so I'm going to, whatever you give to me, I'll just make sure I have it when you come back and I can give it back to you. I'm just going to spend this time on me. Or you can take the attitude of the first two and say, what would God do if he were me in my work? God has given me some investment into my life and how would he use it if he was me how would he do my job if he was me that's the attitude of the first two servants how are we going to use this little yellow stripe and the tricky thing uh, or, or the the it's not tricky it's actually um What's the word? Scary thing about this, as we read this, it can feel uh, overwhelming because we might get the idea that Jesus or the master expects us to double our money or to double his money. He expects us to double the investment. Whatever he's given to you, it says, at, you know, as they had ability, and I, the Bible teaches some of us sort of get... Uh, you know, are, are called more and some of us are called less. It's not, doesn't make any of us better or worse than each other. It's just God knows what we're able to handle. But we can feel overwhelmed if we feel the pressure to double that investment, whatever that is, five, two, one, whatever. But the, the point of the story is not that the first two were, were praised because they doubled their money. That's not the point. Because at the end, the, the master says, if you knew that this is how I am, that I, I, don't, I, I harvest fields that I didn't scatter seed on, then you should have put it in with the bankers. And when I came back, I could have at least had 1.01 talent. I would have been fine with that. Instead, you just buried it. You didn't do anything with it. And so what Jesus is saying is the, the thing that makes the servants good and faithful is not that they doubled their money, it's that they took what God gave them and put it to work for his purposes. So whatever he's given you, if it's talent, if it's, if it's knowledge, whatever it is, you put it to work for his purposes, and that is what leads to the good and faithful servant that you find at the end of the parable. What it means when, Je when it says that your ma the master is a hard man, that's an interesting phrase to see there when we, we think about God. But what he's saying is, I, 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 want to, I want as big a harvest as I can get. And to be honest with you, I'm still, there's still a little bit of mystery in this to me, but what I see in that, in that passage is that he is saying, I expect the people that I have invested in to do some spiritual farming. I did not plow this field. I did not fertilize it and scatter the seed, but I have people and I... I have this partnership with them and I expect them to do some spiritual farming so that when he returns, there is a harvest that he did not sow seed into the field. Does that make sense? 
There's a mystery in the fact that God doesn't really need us. We believe that God is incredibly powerful. He's sovereign over all things, but he chooses to partner with us. And so there's this, this idea that he wants us to participate in his work. And so when that comes to your workplace, the, the spiritual farming, the, the sort of multiplying your investment, the talents, it's, it's about bringing people closer to Christ. That's really what it is at the end of the day. That God has given you all kinds of things in your life. He's given you, not least of which is the Holy Spirit. And he said, as you go into your workplace, if you're going to take this eternal perspective, I want you to use those things to create more uh, closeness between me and other people. In first, in first Timothy 6, Paul says that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. If we view life as a container where we're just trying to stuff it up with all, as many things as we can, we're going to get to the end of that yellow stripe and we're going to have nothing left. The only thing that we can bring with us from the yellow stripe to the, the feet and feet eternity afterwards is other people. That's the spiritual harvest that, that, that God, the master, is hoping for. That we would spend the time that we have while the master is away give, using what he has given us to multiply that. And it doesn't always mean you're going to bring lots of people to Christ. But it means you're bringing them closer. Whatever that one step closer looks like. It, there's probably people in your workplace that have a very horrible mental picture of what it means to be a Christian. And you have the opportunity every day to show them by your life and by your example that, that Christians are not all hateful and bigoted, that, that, that they actually have love and compassion for people. You have the opportunity to, to show them that Christianity is not just God taking the fun away from life, but that he is actually bringing life where there was actually death. And so with this first parable, Jesus, I think, is telling us, with the time that you have, at the job that you have, and whatever job that is, it may change over time. I want you to spend that time. I want you to use that time and the, the talents that I've given you to bring other people closer to me. He goes on to tell another parable, another story, and it's connected to the first. And we're, we're not going to read it. I'm going to summarize it for you. Just because we're running a little low on time. In this parable, Jesus tells uh, about the day where the Son of Man comes back. The Son of Man is, is the Messiah prophesied in the book of Daniel, and also Jesus' favorite nickname for himself. He says the Son of Man is going to come, and he's going to sit on his throne of glory, and then all of the angels are going to be with him, and they're going to bring every nation. They're going to bring every people before the throne, and Jesus is going to sit there, and he's going to divide the people into two groups. The sheep and the goats. The sheep go on his right, the goats go on his left. And he's going to turn to the sheep and he's going to say, uh, well, I don't want to paraphrase it. Let me just quote it. He will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the, the sheep say, they start scratching their head. They say, Gee, Master, when did we see you hungry and, and thirsty and, and in prison and sick and all this stuff? When, when did we see you in poverty? We never saw you. And Jesus says, hey, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then he's going to turn to the other group and he's going to sort of say the opposite. He's going to say, you know, depart from me. You, here, we'll read it. It's right there. Depart from me, you who are cursed 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then he goes through, he says, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I, was, I, was, I needed clothes, I was sick, I was in prison, and you, didn't, you weren't there. You were not there for me. And they're equally surprised. They say, Master, when did we see that? When did we see you hungry and thirsty and in prison? And he says, if you didn't do that for one of the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, this is an important, that last phrase is an important phrase because we, we learn at the very end that this group of sheep are the righteous. We're going to get into that in just a second. But with this parable, again, lots of things we could take out of here. And, and there have been lots and lots of sermons that have been taught on this. But what I want you to focus on, what I want to draw your attention to in this, this parable is the, um, the state of the brothers of Jesus, of, of the master. Now, when we read it and he says, these brothers of mine, it would be natural for us to think about brothers in Christ because Jesus will say things like, uh, you know, somebody is like, hey, Jesus, your brothers and your mom are outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus says, these are my brothers. These are the, my brothers and my sisters and my mother, the ones who are here doing the will of my father. So we could say, okay, so Jesus wants us to, to serve one another in the church, the, the needy among us. He wants us to, to lift them up and meet their needs. But I, Jesus is saying something even greater than that because when he comes to earth, he is constantly associating himself with the outcasted, with the impoverished. Jesus himself really, in, in, in a lot of ways, once he starts his ministry, lives sort of below the poverty line. And he is, he, he's saying, these are my people, the ones who are oppressed, the ones who are outcast, the ones, the ones who are, are hungry. And if you, if you meet their needs, you're meeting my needs. If we're looking at this to try and figure out our eternal perspective, how to live this little yellow stripe in light of eternity, Jesus is telling us to pay attention to the spiritual poverty in the world. An eternal perspective leads us to recognize spiritual poverty and to do something about it. If you think about it, every... Christian has been the one who was sick and in prison, who has been hungry and thirsty and naked, needing clothes. And somewhere along the line, someone who had also been in that place before, but had been brought out of it by Jesus, came and shared the message with Jesus with you. Somebody who used to be in poverty and is now living in the glory of, of God has said, hey, I've been there before. I know what that's like. Let me introduce you to someone who can help. Let me introduce you to someone who can, who can do something about everything after this little yellow stripe. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about this word righteous, this, this, this idea of righteousness. We, see, we find out that the sheep on the right of Jesus are righteous. Paul says you don't become righteous by doing good things in this little yellow stripe. You don't earn God's favor by being a good person. That's not how it works. Paul says the, the Old Testament is sort of a, a, a testament to the fact that that's impossible. God gave them, his people, the Israelites, a list. And he said, if you do this, you will be righteous. And guess what? They all failed miserably. N Paul says there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who seeks God. None of us are going to be able to get righteousness by our behavior. That puts us in a state of spiritual poverty. Does that make sense? We cannot do anything to bring ourselves out of this state. We need some external help to get from poverty to, uh, to this spiritual life. And 
And I want you to think about the people in your story. If you're here and you follow Jesus, who are the people in your story that helped you make that move? Could be your parents. You, you, maybe you grew up going to church. It could be, uh, you know, a, a, a mentor or a leader. It could be, you know, a pastor, anybody. Those people were where you were at one point. And now you can take that same attitude towards the people in your workplace. You could take that same attitude towards the person in the cubicle next to you, towards the, the person even on the road as you're driving to work. And you have now the opportunity to impact their eternity. God has given us his Holy Spirit, which is the power that raised Jesus from the dead and the power that can change eternal destinations. Did you know that? You have the power within you to change eternal destinations. And if God was in your workplace with this perspective, he would use that power. He would use that power because he, he knows what it's like to be poor and hungry and thirsty. And so this eternal perspective invites us to open our eyes and see how badly people in our workplaces need Jesus. If all of that seems like it's very overwhelming or, or completely impossible for you to tomorrow, let's just say, to go into your office with this attitude and to share the gospel with somebody or to offer to pray for somebody or to, to like, maybe, maybe it just seems impossible, the idea of, of giving your money away to meet people's needs physically. The reason that f can feel out of our grasp is because it kind of is. That's why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers this work. The Holy Spirit is the one who brought us from death to life, changed our eternal destination, and empowers us to change other people's eternal destination or to help them with that choice. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That like when we go to the office, it's, it's like we are sort of Jesus Jr. there telling people, like what would Jesus say if he was you to your coworkers? Paul says, when you have an answer to that question, that's what you should say. That's what you should do. And as we wrap up this work series, we've heard so much about what work means, you know, that, you know, why it, why it can feel like awful sometimes or a lot of the time and how to sort of live into it as a blessing. And I invite you, if you've missed any of these messages, to go back and take a, look, take a listen because we do spend so much of our lives at work. But as we sort of bring this series to a close, I, I, I'd like to boil it down to just one idea. And I think if you, can, if you can apply this idea to your workplaces, then, then, you, then you will be walking in the eternal perspective that God has designed us to have. When we live just for the here and now, we act like containers. We try and fill our lives with as many possessions as we can. When we live just for here and now, we try and fill our lives with as many experiences as we can. We're containers. We're just trying to fill up our bucket. When we live for the eternal perspective and we see other people's eternity, we don't live like a container. We live like a conduit. The eternal perspective encourages us to recognize the grace that we have received and empowers us to share that grace everywhere we go. That's what a conduit does. Think about like a pipe versus a, a pail. 
The short-term perspective is a pail. We're just trying to fill our lives with stuff. The long-term perspective is a pipe. We are trying to, whatever grace God has given to us, we're spreading it around to our workplaces. And so as you go to work tomorrow, or maybe later today, whenever you are at work next, you have the opportunity either to be a conduit or a container. You're either there to collect a paycheck, to fund your trips, or to get your, you know, the, the gifts and, and to fill your life with stuff, or you're there to spread God's grace and his mercy with other people. And I'm gonna invite the worship team back up and I'm gonna invite all of us to do a little bit of an application activity. And this um, might be a little challenging at first, but I want you to stick with it. So it, most of us live, we live in a smartphone world. I'm, I'm guessing uh, most of you have your calendars on your smartphone. And maybe it's anxiety inducing to open up your work calendar on Sunday. But I'm gonna invite you just for a little bit of time to open up your work calendars. Take, you can take your phones out right now. Open up your work calendar for this coming week, the next uh, Monday through Friday, Monday or Sunday to Sunday, the next week. Open it up and take a look. Think through the meetings that you're gonna have. Think through the tasks that you, you're gonna have to do. Think through the people you're gonna interact with. Before the worship team uh, kind of goes into their song, I'm gonna invite them to just sort of play instrumentally for a little bit. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, to identify one place on your calendar where you want to take an eternal perspective. One place where you want to not be a container, but you want to be a conduit for God's grace. It could be in a task that you have to accomplish. It could be in an interaction you know you're gonna have with another person. It could be in a meeting that you're gonna be a part of. Pick one, just pick one. And then I want you to, to think through what Jesus would do if he were you going into that meeting? What would Jesus do if he were you taking care of that task or engaging with that coworker or client or customer or whoever? want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus wants everyone in your workplace to come to repentance. And he is going to spend the time that he has been given to accomplish that purpose. And that's what he calls you to do. So when you have identified that place, that, that place in your week, and when you have uh, maybe come up with one way what is one thing God would do, Jesus would do, if he were me in that meeting? I want you to write it down. And I want you to, uh, to make it as a reminder in your phone. To make it as a reminder in your phone for the day before. And to just pray that you, uh, that, that going into that meeting, that you would be a conduit for God's grace. I'm gonna give you just a minute uh, to do that. I'm gonna pray. And then after a minute, the, the worship team will, uh, will close us. And I think we may actually have the video. Is that right? We do have the video. So <clears throat> how do I wanna do this? 
let's do the video now. Let's listen to the, watch the video now. And maybe, who knows, maybe you'll get an idea. Maybe you'll get an idea of what Jesus would do if he were you in that meeting. And then we'll take some time to do that application. And I really want you to do this. Set the reminder. Set the reminder so that it's going to alert you the day before and you can pray about it. And then, and then we'll close in worship together. Let me pray and then let's watch the video. Dear Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for sending your son to come to this earth to rescue us, for opening up a new righteousness that doesn't come from being good, that doesn't come from doing the right things, but it comes through placing our faith in Jesus. Lord, if there is anyone here who is spiritually impoverished, who may or may not even feel how, how deep their need is, Lord, I pray that you would bring them to the place where they can place their faith in you and experience your grace for the first time. And Lord, for those of us who have done that and have experienced your grace. Jesus, would we not be containers to collect it, to stuff as much of it as we can into our lives, but through the Holy Spirit in us, would you empower us to be conduits, to spread it wherever it needs to go, wherever you have us going. Lord, even when it's scary, even when it feels overwhelming, allow us this grace to be able to share it with other people. Lord, I pray for this week. I pray for all of these meetings, all of these uh, encounters and the work that we do. Lord, may we have this eternal perspective. May we take this forward into uh, the rest of our lives. And may we see you do amazing things because of, of just of simple faithfulness. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, if I've said anything today that is not from your word, that is not a, a message that you wanted to get across today, I pray that you would just strike it from everyone's memory. Would you give us all spiritual amnesia just so that we can walk away with what it is that you need us to know? what it is that you need us to hear. We love you, Jesus. I thank you for, for bring, pulling us out of spiritual poverty. I pray that you would empower us to do that for other people. Pray this in your perfect name. Amen. Welcome back to our Work Matters series. Many times when we think about what defines work, we might think about a paycheck, an employer, and an office or a workplace. But if we think about biblically, when God first gave work, none of those things were really involved. And so this morning, we want to take a look at a different kind of work, uh, and that is work in the home. And so we're here with Sandra Libby, and just in full disclosure, we've met before. <laughs> um, I was three, and you were born. Born. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Sandra is my sister, and uh, she goes to Mount Hope. Uh, but uh, probably more than that, the reason she's here today is because she is a homeschool mom and takes care of her family and her children. But that wasn't uh, always the case that you were a homeschool mom. You were no. teaching, you were in the classroom. So uh, maybe that's where we should start. How did you make the decision to leave the classroom, leave teaching other people's mm -hmm. kids, uh, to be home and spend the time teaching your own children, of which you have five? Five. That you might last count. Last yeah. count. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, honestly, it came down to logistics. 
really it was we got to a point where our oldest was ready for kindergarten and logistically where we lived in regards to the school for him to go to we said let's just try this that's how we started off the whole but as we got into it within the first year the second year we saw the freedom to you know travel to teach the kids what we wanted to teach them to do it on our timetable and so we just have kept going um, so in the midst of your day, we're talking about faith and work. Right. This is your work. Where do you see God in the midst of that? Or maybe, and also where is it other places where it's hard to see God mm. in the midst of, of your work that he, God's given you? Yeah. The verse that keeps coming to me is Colossians 3.23, which I know you talked about a couple of weeks ago as, you know, whatever you do, work wholeheartedly as for working for the Lord and not for men and leaving the workplace and leaving that and coming home, you know, ultimately I don't have a, a, a boss per se. We all have one boss, but I don't have somebody telling me teach this. And, you know, we have guidelines of course from the state, but I have to really rely on God. So really my, my daily assignments and my marching orders, like they have to come from him. I would say the, the times where it's hard to see him honestly is, you know, when you're in a job and you're at an office and you see the fruits of your labor sometimes, sometimes at the end of the day, the end of a quarter, the end of a year, whatever that looks like, you can see the fruits of your labor. I don't think that's always the case when you're home and you're toiling day in and day out. As mine are getting older, you see these little glimpses that you go, ah, oh, there's some fruit, <laughs> like all that toiling, all those years and all that on your knees and prayer for them. And, and that's where I think I see, um, it's hard to see God. Um, but then again, I'm reminded of that dependence on him and not on myself. So is it, we've been talking about work as worship. Mm -hmm. um, is it easy for you to see the work that you're doing at home as worship to God? I think at first it was probably more difficult. Um, like what, it, you know, cleaning up spills and changing one more diaper. And, you know, is this person really getting their multiplication facts? Like, is this even, does this even matter? Um, but I would definitely say the longer we've, I've been home and the longer I've just allowed the Holy Spirit to work through me, um, I've been able to see those in other places. I mean, in, in more practical terms, uh, there's been times where you're folding the umpteenth load of laundry and moms, when your kids are ready, teach them to do their own laundry because it's a game changer. But when you are and they're little and you're in the midst of it and you're folding laundry and I, I heard someone say, you know, when you're folding that laundry, pray over that child or pray over your spouse while you're, you know, and it has had made the task and the mundane that much like, this is my worship. Wow. This is my job. This is what God's called me to do. So oftentimes I, I started out the video by saying, you know, work is often associated with a paycheck. Uh, I don't think. You're, you're getting a pay. I don't think, Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Let's pay that. Yeah. So has that been, you know, you, what you do is work, Yeah. but because there's not the paycheck, the employer, the office, mm -hmm. you're not leaving the house to go someplace. Mm -hmm. uh, is it, has that been a challenge at times to maybe not for you to see it as work, but maybe how other people mm -hmm. see it or perceive it? Has that been something that you had to kind of work through. I, I had a funny story when one of my children, I was washing dishes in the sink again for the upteen time for that day. And the child just came beside me and said, um, do you make like any money <laughs> like at all? Um, I mean, after I had to chuckle to myself and just answered, no, no, I, I don't. I do all of this out of love for you. <laughs> all of this for free. You know, but it kind of just made me think like, no, I don't, I don't get paid, <laughs> but this, this is my work. This is my worship. And I think sometimes it's hard because you, you know, you, you went from two incomes to one and that takes sacrifice and you see your husband working so hard, but you see also the rewards of you being able to be there. So anything else just in the intersection of your faith and work at home that you would, that you would want to share or what maybe is maybe your greatest joy in doing mm. this work that, um, that you hang on to? I do look forward to the reward of, you know, I think of third, third John four, no greater joy than my children are walking in the truth. And I think the only other thing I would, I would want to share is I never stopped using the skills and the talents and the gifts that God had given me when I decided to stay home full time.
sometimes when I, I mean, when I'm feeling a little sassy on those doctor forms, I might actually fill out instead of homemaker, I might put domestic engineer. Like I just <laughs> like to, you know, like sometimes you just like to, you know, it's, it's more than just homemaking, but honestly, that is what I'm doing. You know, just creating a home, creating an atmosphere, creating a place for my family, a, a safe place to land, a place where we can talk about all kinds of things and learn things together. And I just think it's important to know that your skills are being used continually, even when you are home. And did I used to get offended? Yeah, probably mm -hmm. when people like, oh, you stay home with your mm -hmm. kids. But honestly, now, like, it's such, it's such a great and high calling that I don't, I don't get offended anymore. Well, thanks, Sandra. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for giving us a peek into how your work matters. Yeah. And we're grateful for that. Okay, so I'm going to, I know we're, thank you guys for being flexible. I'm going to have the, the guys just play instrumentally for a minute so we can do that, that exercise. If you haven't already, I'm serious. Take out your phones, set a reminder, make it an alarm if you have to. Just give yourself a space for you to pray for that uh, eternal perspective in your workplace. If you don't have your phone with you or you, that just doesn't work out for you, take the, one of the cards in front of you. It, I won't be upset. Take one of the cards in front of you in one of those pens, just write it down. And, um, you know, maybe next week we can hear the stories. We can hear how, how it went. I would love to hear some of those stories. So just take a couple minutes and let's do that together. <laughs> 